0: You're listening to the B-Side podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear, or think there's an artist or band we should have in studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. Hello,
1: Brooklyn audio junkies. Thank you for checking out B-Side for your fix of the borough's freshest sounds. I'm your host, Aaron Watkins. Getting ready to rock with you, we've got a band that has been grinding away for a while, developing and perfecting a singular sound that's both digital and futuristic, while remaining organic and warm. They call themselves a love-like pie, and they craft sounds that are as unique as their name. They're going to serenade us with some tunes, and I'm gonna chat with them about their work, and who knows, we may even figure out the area of some circles. So keep it locked right here on B-Side.
0: The been Dry with the wine it's been gave up hey guys
2: we're look like pie
0: but I don't know my heart. Foolish boy, foolish boy oh, hey, Tell me what you
1: picked something that was clear to me. So please introduce yourselves and give us a little brief history about the group.
2: Yeah, so my name is Leif, Leif Liebman and I'm the singer. Uh, I've been playing under the moniker for, of a Love Like Pie for a long time. Sometimes it's nice to have an imaginary name in front of your real identity and that's what a Love like Pie has been for me for a long time. And this is Matt Skiba, and he's the drummer. He's killing on the drums in this small space. It ain't easy. OK, now from what I've read, you have been doing your thing
1: for, for quite a while. Can you tell us a little bit about your musical journey uh, when you started A Love Like Pie, or you know, for the last decade, even with Blind While Driving?
2: Wow, it started really when I wanted to score a film from some school project, and created this really, really awful, awful idea. Admittedly, really bad. But what ended up happening was that I wrote this kind of weird score and using some electronic music that I had at the time. And I thought, you know what, this is actually something I could do. Screw movies. Not for me, but the music is great.
1: Okay. What was your background before that? Did you always think you wanted to be a musician? And when did you decide that you were going to pursue this path?
2: Well, I played violin from a really early age. So, no, I hated music. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> My introduction to music was scales and cor- and classical music for a long time but yeah that ended up kind of organically growing into part of my identity and then I rediscovered the actual love for music later on in life
1: okay what do you think about the current Brooklyn music scene how has Brooklyn embraced you wow
2: what do I think about the current Brooklyn music scene
1: absolutely you're described as a Brooklyn based musician now.
2: yeah I think there's an explosion of ideas um, which is great people are still trying to figure out how to execute them and I think that's that's a good place for music I think the struggles of people trying to kind of see their dreams or their visualizations of what music should be and kind of failing in the attempt, that's how all great music is made. So I think the ideas are lofty and I think that's really important.
1: Okay, well, you said failing in the attempt, but right now you seem to be striking some wins.
2: Oh yeah, striking some wins. Yeah, but internally you're always failing, unless you're fooling yourself.
1: So can you tell us what was the name of the first song that you played and what's the name of the next
2: jam? Yeah, the song we just played, it's called Dirty Work. And this second song is called uh,
1: Sorry 2.0. Sorry 2.0? And what's the theme that we're looking for behind this song?
2: It's a song about abstinence.
1: Yeah. Take it away. (laughs) the first time I think I've, you know, rocked out to a song about absolute. So. Yeah, man,
2: that's the, that's the point of the song. Okay. Definitely.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about your songwriting process? Now, that being said, I did come across a website where it had a lot of your song lyrics written out. Mm. And so I just took quite a bit of time to just sort of read through them. And it reads like poetry. So mm. can you tell us a little bit about your songwriting process and how you create your songs?
2: Again, I think this is something that might not sound too interesting from a third party, but I feel like my mind personally works like a saining that if I'm in motion, physical motion, mm-hmm. I start to think of stuff. Like I'm dragging kind of through the world and little bits and pieces are getting kind of tangled up in my brain. So that's what ends up happening. I spend a lot of time walking. So really the writing process is me walking and kind of like talking to myself. Yeah, I'm not very popular in the neighborhood, but it gets the ideas flowing really quickly for me. Okay.
1: How would you sort of characterize your relationship to music? How does music sort of help you get through your day?
2: It doesn't. It does the opposite. It's like a constant ghost in the back of my mind, reminding me that my day-to-day life is not nearly enough, for better or for worse. So yeah, I don't feel like I draw a ton of positive energy from music, but it does challenge me constantly.
1: Would you think music is always supposed to have a positive energy, or?
2: No, I I just would hesitate to call it a benefit or something. I know a lot of musicians refer to music as their sounding board or their well, their reservoir. For me, it's not really any of those things. Okay.
1: How do you marry your sounds with your music?
2: With a ring. No, that's not true. (laughs) My sounds with my music?
1: Yeah, well, you're a musician, and there's electronic something going on over here. What is this? right Yeah, I
2: mean that's what I love about electronic stuff is that the spectrum of sound is so huge, right? If I want a hundred-voice orchestra singing along to something, I can make it happen. Like I said earlier about ideas that are lofty, technology is helping us achieve those ideas, right? Sometimes you write a song and maybe 20 years ago it wouldn't be possible, and now it is. So that's what attracts me to all the electronic stuff.
1: Okay, Well, you keep writing, you keep creating music, you created a new album, what is the difference between this project and your earlier incarnations. I will follow that up saying, I did read as one uh, music journalist, he said, this is the album that your fans have been waiting to hear. So why would they say that?
2: This is me talking completely hypothetically. Mm -hmm. I think often what times attracts people to the music is there's this kind of thread of narrative through everything. Underneath it all, we really try to keep a theme, whether it be lyrical or emotional or spiritual even. The benefit to that is that they want the next part of that narrative. No longer is it just a combination of chords and sounds and drum beats, there's a story. So three is kind of a continuation of a lot of themes that we were playing around with with earlier iterations of records and stuff.
1: Okay, now three, what does it stand for? I understand there's a, a story behind that as well. Yeah. Three stages?
2: Three originally started as the idea that we'd make a concept record off of the three stages of life. We define those as boy, man, and death. You know that's super, super vague and yes I know there's oftentimes many stages between those but that's for the sake of this, this concept. We broke it down. And then the songs and the sections follow themes that are kind of relevant to those stages of life. Okay,
1: what's the name of the next song we're going to hear?
2: next song is called Till I Die.
1: Till I Die? Yep. Appropriate enough. Let's do it. Tell us a little bit about your experience on tour. You've been been around for a while, as we said at this point, been on a few different tours. And as you travel around the nation, spreading your music, what have you sort of learned as you share this with other people?
2: One, buy a van that can function for longer than maybe four or five hours at a time. Rule number one. Rule number one. Yeah. We had this conversion van, and uh, in order to keep the engine from overheating, we'd have to blast the heat so the heat would blow off of the engine. So that works for a certain amount of time, but if you're cruising through New Mexico at, in July, you got the heat blasting, that's not a good situation to be in. I'm assuming you want less practical and more emotional and spiritual rules.
1: No, whatever, you,
2: whatever <laughs> you would like to share. I'm also, I wanna know
1: the craziest moment that you've ever had on tour as well.
2: There's a lot of stuff that happens on tour that has novelty. One thing stands out to me, in my head was this show that we played in Montana, in the middle of nowhere, we showed up, no one was there, we set up our instruments and we've resigned to play this empty hall. We've just kind of like steeled ourselves emotionally, we said, okay, we're gonna do this, we're gonna play for no one for half an hour, and then we're gonna pack up and go to the next city. Probably about two minutes before we played, maybe 75, 100 kids come through the door. As we're playing, another 100 kids come through the door. This is literally in the middle of nowhere. And I was just blown away that these kids, I guess, just really found out about shows and were willing to travel and work for the chance to see a band that maybe they wouldn't like live. And now, you know, we're so spoiled in, in Brooklyn and New York, we're saturated with the talent of music. It made me realize how important it is to people that don't have access to it. Okay.
1: That was a very profound story. <laughs> I was like, we're just so spoiled here in Brooklyn. <laughs> it's true, man, it's true. Okay, well, that being said, You know, how do you feel that the level of artists and the capacity for Brooklyn and the, I wouldn't say necessarily saturation, but just the amount of diversity and the amount of artists in Brooklyn, how does that sort of affect you?
2: So again, it's difficult to put a value on it. I appreciate being surrounded by music and I appreciate being able to talk about music in an intimate way. So that's not always the case if not everyone's playing music, right? There's not a lot of musicians to talk about music with. Ideas kind of stagnate in your head and that's not a good place for them to live. They need to be explored and expressed. Um, So that's great. I like that there's a community and the ability to exchange ideas.
1: You know, I find a lot of times in Brooklyn that music, in a lot of ways, a lot of bands sometimes just cross a lot of different genres as well. They aren't necessarily the band they were two, three years ago after coming to Brooklyn from wherever they're from. I also read that people describe your sound as an international sort. Of sound, you know, you're described as a Brooklyn-based band now, but you know, how would you describe your sound, and who do you think it appeals to?
2: I think a lot of what's spawning that kind of discussion about the music is certain songs that I write that are reflective of like places I've traveled to. So we have a, we have a, a few tracks that are almost on the nose. It really reflects you know things culturally that I find that are interesting to me, or sounds you know that we might not experience in New York. So yeah, like the international version of it, or the in- international aspect is. It's purely because sometimes I get bored with New York. Okay,
1: so tell us a little bit about your travels. Where have you been?
2: Been to a lot of places. My my parents are both hippies, so they love to travel. You know, I've cruised through Jerusalem, I've explored Southeast Asia, I've gone through Europe on trains. I think it's positively affected me. I think it's negative because I can't talk about it without sounding like a complete jerk. Hippie. Yeah, or hippie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean like the experience I had from a super young age was super valuable to me. Okay,
1: do you think that you would like to keep bringing your music to all parts of, of the world? Do you wanna keep traveling or do you, like, do you enjoy being on tour, Or do you enjoy being at home and sort of rocking locally and being in the studio?
2: I think it's a mixture of both, I, I definitely love writing. And writing is hard to do when you're traveling. Again, the motion is helpful to me. So walking through a city that I don't know It's just, I mean, it's like a kid in a candy store. Like, I get bombarded by all these things and these characteristics and colors and shapes and sounds that I normally wouldn't see. Um, So that's great. But yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. I think, you know, know, there's something really calming and beautiful about having a little studio in New York and then being able to venture out when you get the itch.
1: You know, I'm just sort of, picturing you just traveling around yeah. and just sort of soaking everything in. It doesn't
2: look that cool. Like Kind of shuffling and people are moving out of my way because they think I'm crazy. Something like that. Something okay, like
1: that. now what's the name of the next song that you're in?
2: The next song is called Those Days Are Gone.
1: Okay, what were you thinking when you wrote this song?
2: I thought, can I get away with a patois?
1: And this is my experiment in that. Okay, yeah. well uh, we're going to be the judge and we're going to see <laughs> if you get away with it long Speaking of, of your videos, the two videos that I've seen of yours, what was the sort of collaborative effort between you and the artist? And furthermore, uh, the cover art for James and the Peach, what was the collaborative effort with that artist? Because it's just great.
2: These are all people that I am a fan of, right? So I work with people that I'm not necessarily inspired by or find similar threats. I have no idea, right? The magic is in the mystery, right? So people that work and the end result of that work is something that I just don't understand at all. There are a few people that I've found through random film festivals, through online, like Instagram, and just in my network of people that just blow me away with their work. And I wanna work with them no matter what. The process is something like this. I brain dump on them, of the entire idea behind the record and I say, I'm pretty hands off. When someone inspires me and someone blows me away with their creativity, like it's just hands off, man. I wouldn't wanna be managed either, so. It's a collaborative only as far as the ideas are shared. Everything else is very natural.
1: Okay, you know, even in the intro, we are talking about your sound is sort of digital and futuristic, but at the same time, sort of organic and warm. But I do have to say, after talking to them, I can say that about you. <laughs> Right, I'm digital. Yes. Yeah, you did. Well, you said you know the code thing, and I just sort of get the organicness of the music as well, even as I appreciate the artistry and the technicality behind it. For people that want to check you out, how can people sort of find you on the interwebs? And do you have any projects maybe that you might want to tell us about that you're working on? How can people sort of continue their dialogue with you and your music?
2: We have a bunch of stuff coming up that we're working on constantly. There's just almost a depressing amount of stuff that I want to get to. Well, it's so, a lot for a slug, you know? It's a lot for a slug, that's what I'm saying. That's why, <laughs> that's why it's my spirit animal. We're working on a project, we're working on a new video, and we're working on an interactive web piece. Uh, this is something that we've done for our last release. We created a kind of storybook atmosphere where people c- could interact with some art related to the EP. And we're doing something like that also for the, for the full record. Hold on, repeat that one more time. You said the interactive art. It's a site, you can check it out at lovelikepie.com. And what it is, it's art inspired by the previous EP, Jack and the Giant. But in this art, you can kind of navigate through. So you can click on something and it'll show something. And a lot of it is is stuff like, you know, where our shows are and lyrics and things like that. It was fun to make. So it's also one of those kind of collaborations between the code aspect and the artistic side of, of the music.
1: Awesome. Well, I just want to, you know, thank you once again for just rocking out, but if you were going to talk to your, you know, past self, if you could go back to a Young Leaf 15 years ago and say, give yourself a bit of advice about how to sort of tackle this Mm. music industry, profession, lifestyle, what would be your advice to Young Leaf?
2: Young Leaf. Say, come here, child. Buy bitcoins, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) because then you don't need to worry about anything.
1: You know what? That works, right? Talk to a young Aaron too. <laughs> uh, so the name of the song that you're going to go out with? This isn't? is How Low. How Low? Yeah. All right, take song. it away. been at this for a while can you tell us just a little bit about your younger days what were your influences who were your sort of musical icons it doesn't necessarily have to be music but you know who are the people that inspired you to sort of just want to step up on the stage in some some fashion
2: I think it's a mixture between Paul Simon and Michael Jackson Somewhere, I'm hoping that I fall somewhere in that spectrum.
1: Those are both sort of very classic sounds. How do you relate to music now, and how do you think your music sort of relates to the youth?
2: I think that the sounds that we use are familiar, but that doesn't always mean that the themes or the motivations are identical, right? You could find through the train of sounds, through the electronic stuff, like the EDM stuff, and all all the electronic music, we share a similar thread there motivations might be different but like orally you get the same kind of feel I think there's shared interests when it gets below the surface level that's when things kind of split up
1: okay now with the technology the way youth culture are going and music industry in 2016 what are your thoughts on on downloading and and file sharing
2: do it just do it I mean like why why, why wouldn't you (laughs) You
1: know, as a musician, is it important to you to get the music out there or is it important for you to be able to survive in order to continue doing the music?
2: I think it's really difficult for a musician to suggest that technology shouldn't be used to enjoy the music and then simultaneously use technology to create music. I think that it's a little bit duplicitous and I think you have to embrace it as a whole. You can't choose out of those. Okay,
1: now the next song that you're going to do is called? How Low. How Low? Yep. Okay, let's do it. All right, well, that does it for B-Side. The name again of these rising stars of Brooklyn music is A Love Like Pie, and we are so thankful for them being here with us. I'm Aaron Watkins, reminding you that there are still great musicians out there making great music. It is just up to you, the listener, to find them.
0: The B-Side Podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Alon Cole, Ro Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by Onel Mulet and edited by Emily Bagogian. For more information on B Side and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org/radio.